Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture, medicine, and conservation with an emphasis on biotechnology and the new innovations that can help people and the planet. My name is Kevin Fulton. I'm a professor, podcast host, keynote speaker, a part-time farmer. And at a time of Thanksgiving, I'm grateful to have this medium to share the newest breakthroughs in the life sciences with you. And today we're going to circle back to a topic that we've covered sporadically here on the podcast. And this is the idea of can we take a T cell and provide it with information to target a specific malady like cancer uh, by, by arming the T cell with a receptor that is targeted to a specific ligand that's produced as an identity on the surface of cells that are problematic. And this is a technology that is just going through a massive change and maturation. And today's guest brings us a new, another edge on how you can reprogram T-cells with information to put them to use in therapeutic venues. We're speaking with Dr. Ken Drazen. He's the CEO of Arsenal Bio. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Drazen. Thank you so much. Yeah, so this is a, really a series of recent papers have brought this newer technology to light and these newer ways of using the modern tools of gene editing to be able to arm these cells with new information. But let's go back to the beginning. What is a T-cell? A T-cell is one of three different blood cell types. We have red blood cells, which are the blood cells that carry oxygen to our tissues. We have platelets, uh, which are a type of cell type that allows us to form blood clots when our tissues are injured. And we have white blood cells, of which there are many. Uh, there are T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, macrophages, and eosinophils. The T cells are the part of the white blood cell compartment that provide immunity from foreign particles and cells like viruses and bacteria. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But sometimes we even have seen uh, discussion of T cells fighting cancers. Is that because neoplasias can provide a signature that maybe tricks the body into thinking it's not something that belongs? Yes, the, um, the neoplasias or tissues that have been converted from healthy tissue into cancerous tissues are ones that grow uncontrollably. That uncontrollable growth is driven by changes in the DNA of the tumors that cause them to have a different cellular program than a normal program. Those changes in the DNA create different protein structures inside the cells that allows a person's immune system, their T cells, to recognize sometimes those foreign proteins inside the tumor and try to eradicate it. 
Unfortunately, it rarely works. Is that complicated more by immunosenescence where T cells, which are called T cells because of the thymus gland, um, they, that kind of goes away as you age, correct? Well, we have different immune cells that, that uh, survive very long periods of time in the body. Um, T cells can, in theory, live for a very long time. Uh, they use the thymus to be educated, but they can live for years. Uh, unfortunately, the T cells, when they encounter the tumors, um, they find a very hostile environment for them to be able to perform their protective functions, like eliminating the tumor cells. And that's because the tumors develop these mechanisms to prevent the T cells from getting close to tumor cells or turning down the potency of, of T cells so that they become ineffective. Yeah. So this is kind of this endless arms race inside the body. And, and this is really where technologies such as the ones in your company really try to break that cycle. So you're talking about this idea of reprogramming a T cell. And we've talked about CAR T cells and such therapies on the, on the podcast before. But how has it classically be, been done either with viruses or, or uh, say, with genetic engineering? What, what have been the classic approaches? Well, the classic approaches of modifying an immune cell or any other cell uh, in the human body um, in, for example, in a laboratory dish, has been to use viruses that um, infect human tissues and modify them so that they can be used as delivery vehicles to uh, deliver genetic material inside a, a human cell, either in a tissue um, flask in the laboratory or uh, actually inside the patient and deliver a new set of genetic instructions uh, to those cells. So there are different types of viruses that can be used and disarmed safely. Um, and we've taken advantage, scientists have over many decades, uh, to, to try to evolve these viruses to be more effective therapeutic vehicles. But viruses have some limitations, right? So like, what are the boundaries that keep the viral delivery mechanisms from being more effective? Yes, the, these viral delivery mechanisms, of course, were designed by nature to provide uh, a function that works for viruses, namely that they uh, deliver their genetic material with a size constraint. There's only uh, a limited amount of trunk size, if you will. Uh, secondly, that they um, deliver their material randomly uh, inside the uh, immune cell or healthy cell genome that random integration can create risk um, because the integration site could be one that could unfortunately turn off the genetic material that's delivered or turn it on in such a way that's uncontrollable. So the, this represents one of the constraints of using human viruses uh, because they were not ultimately designed by nature to um, perform specific functions for physicians. Yeah, there's also a payload side in that too, right? Like how much you can insert. Uh, that's correct. There is a constraint that uh, different viruses have on their called payload size. And uh, this limits the, the, the size and amount of, con of instruction that you can offer in your therapy. We'll talk about it in a few moments, I'm sure, about 
how to increase the size of that payload to expand the programming language of therapy. Okay, so let's do that now. <laughs> what are um, better ways to do this? I mean, what are technologies that you've introduced to expand the payload? And uh, well, first of all, just to expand the payload. Yes. Yeah, so uh, there's been a, a dramatic change in the way that scientists can design uh, genetic material to enter into healthy tissues using a landmark invention called CRISPR which is an acronym to describe a, a bacterial mechanism for modifying the DNA of a bacteria. Scientists have developed a method to uh, co-opt this process in a kit, if you will, that allows us to make changes in the DNA of any cell type. This mechanism is largely being used to modify cells outside of the body but there is a growing capability to do this inside the body as well using these CRISPR reagents. Arsenal's strategy initially is to make these modifications outside the body, but to develop this method, we found ways to insert a payload size that's significantly larger than what can be done inside the body. But this is the interesting part for me and maybe for lots of others listening. We've talked about gene editing and CRISPR and site-directed nucleases of all types for years on this podcast, but we're almost always talking about them as tools to knock out or disrupt gene function. How do you do this specifically to add material to a genome? This is the, the mission statement of Arsenal was to identify the most receptive location in the genome of a T lymphocyte, uh, ensuring that that location wouldn't disrupt other healthy functions of the uh, T lymphocyte. Uh, number two, um, to after finding this location, to develop a, um, a template of DNA that we could deliver into this location that would be the largest possible payload size to create Three, the most amount of drug functions to ensure a cure for patients. Okay, and so that's where we'll really start to dig in next. Uh, so, so the idea is, is that you have the safe harbor locations inside the genome where something can be inserted and then coming up with strategies to be able to insert large pieces. So the next thing we'll dig into is how you figure out what to insert. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We're speaking with Dr. Ken Drazen. He's the CEO of Arsenal Bio. And we're talking about ways to reprogram T cells to do work in therapeutic action. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hello, thank you for calling Grocery Mart. How may I help you? I gotta talk to someone about this here bioengineered label. It's on my damn Doritos, and I'm fixing to catch me some autism if it's full of that GMO nonsense. I'm sorry, sir, but that label simply means the product may contain some ingredients that originated from a genetically engineered crop. It's the law that passed a long time ago, and you'll see that label in 2022 a lot. Well, I don't like it. Tinkering with nature is no job for Fauci or the Monsantos. 
There's probably 5G in my Mountain Dew, and glyphosate's in my Natty Light. Now what's the story, darling? Well, sir, I guess I'm not sure. I wish there was someone else that could give us some answers. That would be me, Kevin Fulta here. I've put together a program to train customer service professionals and anyone that may have to answer questions about the new bioengineered label. The program is performed live. We work through drills, answer questions, and diffuse the ambiguity around this new mandate. I provide excellent training materials and strategies to help your team confidently field the confusing questions your customers will ultimately have. Worse. We expect to see this simple, unnecessary product label inflame a disinformation campaign. That's going to further confuse consumers. Prepare now. Contact me and we'll book training sessions on how to field questions about the bioengineered label, inform your consumer, and clarify the confusion around safe food ingredients. For more information, check kevinfolta.com forward slash services. Now we're back on the Talking Biotech Podcast. We're speaking with Dr. Ken Drazen. He's the CEO of Arsenal Bio, and we're talking about programming T-cells to do work in therapeutic action. And so you're using um, a, a CRISPR-Cas9 type system to add a payload to a cell to give this T-cell a new mission, for instance. So is this being done with a patient's cells where you're harvesting the cells and then doing this work? Or is this a kind of generic T cell that you can produce in mass that can be used on just about anybody? We're starting off with the, with the former, which means that um, in a clinical trial uh, framework, um, patients would have some of their white blood cells removed um, in a, a doctor's environment those cells would be sent back to an arsenal manufacturing facility. The cells within that uh, bag um, would be isolated and um, separated into the different components. And we'd be looking for a specific subset of those cells uh, that are the T lymphocytes. Those T lymphocytes would then be edited using a a process in the manufacturing facility that temporarily opens up little pores or holes in the membrane of the T lymphocytes and allows the kit or the cocktail to run inside the cell and find its way into the nucleus where the DNA resides. And because of the specific programming language of those reagents, they find their way to this unique location on chromosome 11 that Arsenal has identified. As you mentioned earlier, this is a gene desert. That's where the activities of opening the DNA up and inserting this new template of instructions without harming the neighboring DNA. Yeah, this is really neat, but I can imagine that it's a reasonably expensive process, but this is... But we know which is important because you're able to cure an important problem. That's great. You know, what, what's the cost of that? But um, is there a future thought to maybe be able to have a more generic T cell that does maybe lacks the antigenic markers that may uh, flag it as non-self that maybe could be infused into just about anybody? Is that realistic? 
it is realistic. Uh, and, and you make the very important point that ultimately the accessibility of an off-the-shelf product uh, would be something that would um, allow patients greater access at a time frame that more fit their needs than a bespoke manufacturing process. Unfortunately, we're not there yet um, as an industry uh, creating a um, um, off-the-shelf product that can scale to the um, needs of the industry and be edited in such a way that um, there would be a homogeneous population of product to give to patients. Yeah, it almost seems like the, you would be able to, if you had such a resource and maybe even some uh, more of the stem cell type of cells where you could control their differentiation into T lymphocytes, that you could almost have a off-the-shelf solution for any disease that you wish to correct with, with the program T cell. And so that, you know, it seems to be like an exciting area that you're in here. It seems uh, maybe something like that could be real in the next decade or so. Uh, well, I, I certainly think that this is the mission of our company and many other companies around the world, as well as many academic labs, to uh, exploit the incredible attributes of our immune system uh, directed towards clinical problems that today, most medicines are unable to cure. Uh, this idea of actually using a off-the-shelf cell is similar to the rationale behind blood banks, where we have bags of, of different uh, blood types waiting for patients who are, who are injured or have surgery uh, to restore their platelet counts or restore their white blood cell counts or restore their red blood cell counts. But even that is still an imperfect process, even though the American Red Cross has been around for you know, uh, nearly 100 years. So I think the ambitions here of, are of a similar magnitude. Um, curative treatments using the immune system is something that is um, a reality under development today. And, and this is what they would refer to as an immunotherapy approach, right? That's correct. The immune system administered back to a patient in a way that it would cause a curative or therapeutic benefit is immunotherapy. And so what are some of the current targets that your company is looking at in terms of the reprogramming process? Our process allows us to uh, insert a template of DNA inside T lymphocytes that results in a reprogramming of these T lymphocytes, changing the cellular programs inside the T cell. In other words, instructing it to be more potent, to expand more rapidly, to ignore negative signals inside the tumor, uh, to remain in a, uh, in a format that would allow them to persist for longer periods of time. These are not natural programs that exist in T cells, but uh, we are able to add extra instructions that can redirect them to behave this way. In addition, we're able to include in these cellular programs uh, the directions that tell T cells to find the tumor exquisitely rather than wander into healthy tissue 
And when they find this location at the site of the tumor, we're able to instruct it to release drug-like functions, including molecules that uh, activate the immune system where it might have been turned down or uh, inhibit the tumor growth in ways that would be therapeutically beneficial. And how do you identify the targets that you're going after? I mean, these are these have to be uh, receptors that that are on the on the T cell surface that fit lock and key with some sort of ligand that's or function of the tumor cell. How do you figure out which ones they are? Or how to make the receptor? Well, there's something like two thousand uh, different cell membrane receptors that one could examine. Uh, and study for their benefit in a in a, um, a pharmaceutical strategy like we're describing here. Um, Arsenal has a robotic installation uh, that allows us to run up to ten thousand experiments a week. This robotic installation, built by our team, um, run by software that um, stores all the data in the cloud and uh, allows us to to remember every bit of information that comes out uh, enables us to build really large data sets of different combinations of of a subset of the 2000 I mentioned, such that um, we can build what's called a training data set. And this training data set can be large enough that we can apply machine learning methods, uh, which will allow us to make predictions about what would be the best combinations of these uh, receptors or synthetic changes to make the most potent cells. And like, uh, unlike other therapies, especially against cancer, I guess these seem to me to be excruciatingly specific and probably unlikely to have collateral effects because of the targets on the specific cell you're targeting, right? Yes, that specificity is the difference between therapeutic benefit and safety for the patient. So it's absolutely critical that we have a patient-centered mindset around all the work that we do, such that our our, uh, goals and objectives for the company are to find the most benefit for the patient without compromising their safety. And can you give us any hints as to the uh, diseases that are currently on your radar? Our lead program, is, is a cellular therapy with the type of uh, genetic modifications that, I, that we've been talking about here. Um, under preparation right now for interactions with the FDA, and it's our goal to uh, begin patient studies in the latter half of 2022, the disease that we're focused on initially is ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer is uh, one of the top 10 cancers that um, affect uh, women in the United States and worldwide. In addition, unfortunately, about 97% of women who are diagnosed with this disease will ultimately succumb to it. So there's a tremendous amount of room for improvements and an optimism to find eventually a cure. And we're focused on, on that as our first product. We have several others that will follow on in different cancers uh, in years to come. You mentioned uh, the second half of 22. Those are the beginning of clinical trials, or is that the uh, 
product availability. I missed that. That's the beginning of uh, clinical trials. And, and specifically, the first trial will be one to demonstrate tolerability or safety uh, in patients with ovarian cancer who are refractory to any other treatment. So we'll be starting off with patients who have metastatic cancer where the disease has spread to other organs and where existing chemotherapy regimens and standard of care are insufficient. I see. So another value to that is that if you had a metastatic ovarian cancer, the immunotherapy would still detect and target the the metastatic cells in other locations in the body, at least in theory, right? That's correct. That is a, a one of the critical challenges of designing a therapy, not only to uh, remove the tumor from its natural geographic location, which would be in this case at the site of either ovary, but also to recognize that tumor when it's spread into other organs. There must be signals um, and recognition tags, if you will, on these metastatic tumor cells that look the same as its original location. And, you know, for going into clinical trials, you must have done a lot of work in animals and in vitro. Are these new therapies, these new immunotherapies, are they appearing to be amazingly specific or is there any other unusual risk associated with them? Or is the magic the fact that they are very specific? There's several risk factors uh, associated with a treatment like this. Um, And they relate to uh, the other side of the coin, if you will, of the reason why immunotherapy couldn't be effective. First, the specificity of the location that you're going after needs to be exquisite. Otherwise, you'll injure healthy tissue. The second is that the tumors, the, the treatment cells, the T lymphocytes that have been either harvested or manufactured outside the body, they need to execute their therapeutic program only at the site of the tumor. However, that can be very challenging unless the cellular program is one that restricts the treatment effect to the site of the tumor. And then lastly, even if the treatment site is specific, the way that the T cell actually eliminates the tumor has to be one that doesn't cause a systemic toxic syndrome to the patient. I see. So it's not as, uh, there, there are some important considerations. It's not as simple as I've made it out to be or the way that I've thought about it. Um, but, but it makes sense. You're playing with the immune system and that has a lot of um, uh, strange edges to it, I'm sure. Yes, you've called out a, a very important principle. I think people are aware of this, for example, when they think about other ways to stimulate the immune system, like vaccines, where uh, sometimes we can get a fever or swelling um, as part of the immune system's recognition of this foreign material. That's, uh, call it the the balance between efficacy and safety. Well, maybe I could ask you a question to kind of get out your crystal ball a little bit. It's just that you personally, you know, as a physician and a scientist who's working in in these areas, is there kind of a, maybe a personal goal or like a favorite disease that you would like to eradicate with this therapy? 
Well, as a physician, I um, feel wholly dedicated towards the, the treatment of incurable diseases. It's been part of my professional life. I was a transplant surgeon in an earlier part of my career and took care of patients with end-stage liver disease or, um, or tumors of, of the liver. Uh, but I must confess that you know one of the motivations for me to um, move into a medical career was because uh, we lost um, uh, a, an aunt of mine uh, to ovarian cancer due to a genetic predisposition to that disease. And while I didn't steer the Arsenal team to work on ovarian cancer, I was incredibly gratified that our science led us to this particular um, serious malady uh, in hopes that I could make a contribution to you know, rectify uh, a lost loved one. Oh, that's a, I had to ask that question because there's so many of these uh, decisions that we make or maybe you know, the goals, our long-term goals do have a personal edge to them. And I guess maybe one other really important question, this in the parlance of the uh, COVID-19 vaccine, where here was a vaccine that we were able to generate from a new technology that gave us a great deal of agility. It gives us the ability to respond to new variants and, and new epitopes very quickly. And so is this the same quality of your technology where a new variant of a disease or a rare disease could actually become a realistic target because of the relatively, what seems like modular basis of this kind of technology that you could come up with something for a rare cancer, for instance, that could give it a legitimate immunotherapy shot? Yes, the legitimacy of uh, the era we're in now, which is often called that of the information molecule, which allows us to uh, design, build, and test a therapeutic molecule that recognizes a, a set of letters on the other side of the table, the patient, in a very specific, exquisite way that has never been possible before. And while uh, we've already seen the tremendous benefit of that for um, COVID vaccines, I think we're at the beginning, the very beginning of a very long arc of how these information molecules will improve you know, the life of, of humanity, whether it's acute diseases like COVID or chronic diseases like cancer or autoimmune disease. Well, I really like the optimistic notes there at the end. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. So I really, I really appreciate your time on this because I get excited about immunotherapy uh, quite a bit. If anyone wants to know more about your company, where can they look online or on social media? Yes, please um, encourage your, your following to, to follow Arsenal on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, or our website, arsenalbio.com. Dr. Ken Drazen, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time, your candor, uh, and your interest. Take care. And as always, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. I truly mean it when I say how thankful I am for all of you who listen and the support that we have from your shares and your likes and social media. The, it's just amazing and really does help propel this podcast forward to a larger audience that needs to learn about these new technologies as they're coming, especially in the area of cancer. There's so many people who have families suffering at home who 
you, to tell them that there's a technology coming uh, can give someone the optimism and the, the forward thinking that might just help make them through it to receive these new therapies. And uh, time is um, can be really difficult, but they're coming fast and furious, and that kind of hope and optimism for a new approach uh, may be something that gets them through. So thank you very much for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. The Talking Biotech Podcast reflects the personal views of Dr. Kevin Fulta and its guests. These are not the views of the University of Florida, its faculty, staff, or students. But after all, it is science, so they probably are, but it has to be clear that there is no university affiliation with this podcast, which is a damn shame, but I guess that's how it goes. So feel free to share this science communication effort, recommend guests, and support us with a few shekels over on Patreon. We invest all funds back into promotion of the podcast to widen the audience, enhance production, and expand science communication efforts in many ways. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.